Welcome to your most visionary life. On this weekly podcast, I chat with visionary humans and I'm asking them the one question that you probably want to know the answer to. How did they create, launch, and build the business of their dreams? My name is Kelsey Rydell and I am the founder of Visionary Life and the Visionary Method 90-Day Business Coaching Program for aspiring and startup entrepreneurs. The intention behind all of our visionary content is simple, and that is to plug you into the people, inspiration, and information that will help you to live and to lead your own most visionary life. As you begin to listen to the episodes, you'll discover one obvious and common thread, and that's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. This show will help you break down the intimidation behind launching a business, and it will shine a spotlight on people just like you with similar life experience who are creating the business and life of their dreams using the time-honored principles of consistent daily action. It's in you, it's in all of us. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast, week two that we are finally back in season three, and I'm so excited to be here with everyone. So today on the show, I am chatting with Megan Telpner. Megan is a Toronto-based author, speaker, nutritionist, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. This is absolutely a course that I would suggest you go check out if you have any interest in nutrition or cooking. So Megan is also the author of two best-selling award-winning books, Undiet, Eat Your Way to Vibrant Health, and The Undiet Cookbook. Megan has been featured in Forbes, was ranked as one of the top 100 female entrepreneurs in Canada by Profit Magazine, and was named Best Holistic Nutritionist in 2017 and 2018 by National Nutrition Awards. With over 10 years in the field, Megan works tirelessly to empower her global community of certified culinary nutrition experts to become health leaders in their respective communities. So the fact that I was able to sit down with Megan is incredible. So I know you're going to love this episode. She's one of the top 100 female entrepreneurs. Come on, this is insane. I knew Megan was a business powerhouse and also just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to nutrition, uh, specifically culinary nutrition, but sitting down with her really gave me a great snapshot of how hard she has worked to build all of this. There's certainly certainly no overnight success that happened here. She is truly an example of dedication and consistency in making this all happen. More on our episode in a bit, but first, I did want to share something really exciting that's coming up. And as you know, I've run this challenge many times before, and it starts again. So if you've never joined the Idea to Income Challenge, we start tomorrow, February 4th. And don't worry if you're listening to this a few days late, you can of course still join it. You're just gonna head to facebook.com slash groups slash visionary method, or tap the link in my Instagram bio or hit up my website. There are many ways you can join, you just have to be resourceful. And the purpose of this challenge is to 
sit down with you for five days in a row, Monday to Friday, when we're all feeling driven, and to explore an idea that you have in your head that you're not exactly sure whether you want to focus on and build it into a business. So I wanna help you by giving you five carefully crafted workbooks, five video trainings. I show up live with you every single day of the challenge, which is probably the best part because we get to come on live together. Uh, You can ask questions in real time. I'm there for you. I love seeing what's going on in your head and exploring the opportunity of whether there is an income stream that could potentially come from this incredible idea that you have. So The challenge is free. There's definitely no reason not to join, even if you think your idea is silly or even if you've already started a business, I'd love to have you in the group just to support the conversation. So definitely get yourself into that group and following that, as you know, the visionary method is launching. So lots of exciting things coming your way in February. This is going to be a really great month. In this episode with Megan, we learn all about her backstory, why she got into nutrition in the first place, and hint, it was because of her own issues and an illness that she was facing that really led her down this path, and ultimately to teaching others how to feel empowered with their nutrition and their health. We chat about the book deals that she got. She's a best-selling author of two books, which is incredible. We're talking all about the Academy of Culinary Nutrition and how she wound up creating a digital course, what it took to create it, and how it really was not something that she took lightly. She spent years and years and years building out the content of this program. I ask her a lot about the daily operations, what a day in her life looks like today, and I'm prying for some specific business tips because I know you all as listeners love hearing the specific systems that all of our visionaries use in their daily lives. So if you want to connect with Megan, I would very much encourage you to head over to her website, megantelpner.com, or you can go to culinarynutrition.com and you can find them both on Instagram as well. So let's dive right into the episode with Megan Telpner. All right. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. We're here in your incredible office space right now. It's so colorful and fun. And I just want to say thanks for welcoming welcoming me into your space. Thank you for coming here. We don't have people here often enough anymore now that Mm. it's all online. So it's always nice to have visitors. And you said that you used to teach classes out of here and live out of here? I did. I started living here when I was going to nutrition school. And then when I started my classes in 2008... I sort of partitioned my bedroom off in the corner and taught my classes here until, I mean, I think my last class I taught was 2015. Thankfully, I moved out and could afford to move out by (laughs) mid-2011. I was with my then boyfriend saying, I got to get out of here. You're either coming with me or I'm getting at my own studio apartment. Mm. And thankfully, he came. So cool. I feel like there's so much history here. This is is really like the birth of all of your business. So... Okay, um, where did you grow up? I grew up until I was nine or ten, nine years old, ten years old in Winnipeg. Okay. And then moved here with my family to awesome. Toronto. Uh, next rapid fire, what's one thing you do every single day that's non-negotiable? Oh gosh, like aside from brush my teeth, uh, I drink a big thing of water in the morning. I always aim to get some form of movement before I start working, whether that's like now I have a baby, so it's not as easy, but if all else fails, I'll walk to work, which is 20 mm-hmm. minutes. 
And specifically, do you love doing that before work because it kind of sets your day up? Do you pop a podcast in? What is it about that? that yeah, it clears you? my mind and helps me create a division between my home life and my work life. And I find that life is pretty full these days and there's not a lot of time to process and think and have time for creativity and new ideas. So a lot of, the, the when the women are here who work in the kitchen, I come in in the morning like, I have an idea. And they're like, oh God, what are we, mm-hmm. what are we throwing at us today? But it's, uh, it's that time and it started when I was living and working in one space because if I didn't do something outside of here, I could easily spend the entire day working in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. I mean, as you know, the name of this podcast is Visionary Life. And I feel like we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. And a visionary is someone who has ideas and who loves to like think big and not necessarily know how they're going to get there or how to process that and implement that. But the ideas come to them. And you're right. If you don't schedule in time to let the ideas flow and to process, like you said, then you can get so caught up in the emails yeah. and the daily grind and the to-do list. Yeah. So or you end up that... doing the processing at four in the morning. Mm. <laughs> Which is not ideal. We love our sleep. So, <laughs> Okay. Um, what is your go-to meal that you would cook out or cook or take out on a busy evening? Oh gosh. Lately, again, because our son is, as we chat now, 19 months old, is always meals that he'll eat. So it's usually something one pot, like stews or curries or that kind of thing that I can prep everything in the morning and throw it all into a pot when I get home from work. Mm, Definite time saver. Last rapid fire here. What's the best part about owning a business? I get to do what I want. I mean, I don't always love what I have to do, but ultimately I get to choose the projects, who I work with, and how we get things done. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So uh, I want to zoom the lens back a little bit and enlighten our audience. How did you get to where you are today? So first, let's dive into when did you first get the bug to learn more about nutrition and to enroll back in nutrition school? Absolutely. I first... It was like there was a very, very, very clear moment. I had been struggling with my health for three to 26 years at the time. Okay. <laughs> it was like accumulating for three years. But now looking back, I've had health challenges my whole life, but it became quite serious. And I'd been going to all these practitioners and experts and doctors and no one could help me. And I was in a supplement store with my mom. And she was asking about a protein powder and the salesperson was talking about the benefits of this one versus that one. And it was literally like this light bulb went off being like, I want to know this. Like, I want to understand what is in my food because that's the only way I'm going to get better because no one has answers. And so that was when I had this sort of emotional revelation that all of the things I've been doing for the last seven years from going to university and all the jobs I had were going to be not part of the growth of my future. Although it ended up being, but not as directly as I'd expected. And that was when I registered for nutrition school. However, later that same summer, this was around June, I was diagnosed with Crohn's. So I ended up postponing school for till the next term. But Mm. that was the moment. Very cool. I think what's really interesting about what you just shared is that it sounds like you really made the decision to pivot your life. Like you said, you were doing something completely different before, but... It's the light bulb moment that says, you know what? It's okay to venture into a brand new industry. I'm going to learn everything I can and know that potentially the path that got me here is not what's going to get me to that next level. And I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, they reach out and they say, you know, how do you make that shift? And 
you know, like how do you bust through the fear then of making such a big career change or life stage change? What could you offer knowing what you went through? Did you experience that fear? And how did you take the leap to change what you were doing with your life? It seemed at the time that it seemed so clear that everything I'd done up until that point had led me to a place where I was really sick and really unhappy. And the prospect of moving forward in a career I was working in advertising, none of the jobs looked awesome. Like I didn't want, my, my father had an ad agency when I was growing up, so I knew the business, though I never worked, well, I worked for him a few summers, but as an adult, I never worked for him. And looking at his life, getting on and off airplanes and, and all these things was just didn't appeal to me. So if the top position and where you're working isn't what you want to be doing, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, being happy where you're at and not wanting to grow and, and I don't want to say not want to grow, but not wanting to progress in that direction. There's nothing wrong with that. But I had a different type of drive um, where I've always had a nature where I want to excel and do as much as I can. And so when I realized that it wasn't going to work and then had the idea to go to nutrition school, I still didn't know what the work was going to be, but I knew that what I'd been doing up until that point was no longer an option. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the, I, I was able to go into it with the fear and not let the fear stop me was that mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm going to do with this, but at the very least I'll figure out how to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. That's such a great attitude to have. And yeah, I would encourage any of the listeners who are maybe in that spot to, you know, you say yes and you figure out the process later, right? It'll always start to unfold as you take that action. So you mentioned that your dad had an advertising agency. So is entrepreneurship something you were exposed to as a kid growing up? Was it something you were interested in? Absolutely. It was something I was exposed to. Um, my father worked for different companies for a long time before he started his own agency. But even before that, it was something that was in me. And I remember as a kid, I always had little businesses where I was making friendship bracelets or scrunchies or that kind of thing. And it would evolve to, like, I remember in high school, I used to sew when I went to fashion school as my undergrad, and I would be sewing things that I would sell. And in university, I started a business called Chicks Abroad. It was like a women's travel website before there was WordPress or any easy way to build and put a website on the internet. So there was always some sense of entrepreneurship that didn't strike me as growing up, oh, I'm going to have my own company. I think mm -hmm. now younger people see this and it's so easy to start your own business from your bedroom. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that in the 90s. But it soon became clear when I had nine jobs in three years that I made a really, really bad employee. Mm -hmm. And that was when I realized, I used to say to my parents, like, this nine to five job is killing my day. Like, I had no time for my own <laughs> They're stuff. They're like, it's supposed to. <laughs> so it became pretty obvious that I would need to figure this out. Um, and thankfully, I had the support of my parents mm -hmm. to do that. And I think what a, a blessing now in 2019 is that there's no such thing as job security anywhere. Um, you can work for a large corporation for 12 years and be laid off and escorted out without notice. Mm -hmm. Just And with your own business, at the very least, you see it coming. Mm -hmm. You see if something's not working. Uh, so I think that if we can recognize that and then just keep moving forward with the fear and let the fear drive you, mm -hmm. um, you, can, you can make it work. Absolutely. So you're going through nutrition school and I want to know, did you have an idea of like, okay, when I graduate, I'm going to launch this online empire and start teaching digital courses. 
Or were you still feeling very uncertain of what was going to happen the moment that you finished school? When I, I finished school at the end of 2007, so I think I'd had a Facebook profile for six months, maybe. I think Twitter had just started. So I definitely had no plans for an online business. Mm -hmm. um, I'd written a few blogs and I had experience with the internet. And when I worked in advertising, it was for digital. So I, ha but, but then at that point, like the most targeted marketing you could get was sending text message promotions to people. So I had a sense of the reach that you could get through the internet, but didn't, and at that time, like e-commerce wasn't a thing, like you didn't really know how that could even be possible. So my objective when I started was I offered a lot of the same services a lot of nutritionists offer, the consultations, the grocery store tours, the cupboard cleanouts that no one ever hires anyone for. Like, I don't know where that oh list God. came from. Isn't that the truth? I don't know why it's like served up on a platter. Like that should be our offer. Yeah, like a nutrition, like no one is hiring someone for a hundred dollars to walk them down the aisle of a supermarket. So <laughs> I tried all that and I was doing consults and I was getting clients, but I hated it. And I went to this business seminar, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember the person who ran it. But one of the things they said was to figure out ways to turn a service into a product. And that sort of sparked the idea of doing an online cleanse program. So pioneering the way in 2009, offering a green smoothie cleanse before every nutritionist had a green smoothie cleanse, I did a three-day online program. And that was sort of my first understanding of what could be done on the internet. At the same time, I was writing a blog called Making Love in the Kitchen, which has now been folded into mine. And, but in my mind, they were still very separate things. And it took some time for them to merge together for me to realize that I could have a blog that could increase a global reach for online products and also still support name recognition to get people into my physical kitchen here where we're sitting to cook with me and eat with me and learn from that. So it took time for me to understand and for the technology to be there to take what I was doing here in person and be able to translate it into something that could be accessed online in this in as effective or more effective way. Mm -hmm. And were you seeing traction in these early days? Kind of were people coming to you for your nutrition expertise? Were they finding your blogs? Were you hearing feedback? Let's kind of run through like what was uh, the response to what you were putting out there? People were finding my blog and the blog community, the food blog community in 2008 was so tight mm -hmm. and there was not a lot and everyone was commenting on each other's blogs. So there was that community that was really great. There weren't a lot of nutritionists or health coaches. Um, I think my graduating class, I think there was 14 of us. Mm -hmm. And so there was that sort of advantage. The disadvantage was there was no model for a successful business in nutrition. Um, so I was sort of growing it that way and getting reach and at the same time doing as many free local events as I could, teaching and talking. And I was literally going to every yoga studio in the city to drop off cards for my classes. And, and I think they call it hustling. Um, that's what I was doing to just try and get people to show up. And when classes weren't, weren't full, I would invite people that I'd recently been reacquainted with on Facebook to come and, you know, unspoken to optimally tell a few people about it. So did I, was I getting reach? Looking back, I suppose I was, but it was never fast enough mm -hmm. for my lack of patience. It's still not fast enough. Um, I'm like, when do I reach the tipping point? 
I don't know. <laughs> it hasn't come because I feel like I've been constantly and diligently working over the last 11 years. But looking back, I can see the evolution and the organic growth and that it happened exactly at the pace it needed to for me to keep up and be able to offer a positive experience to people who I still have guests and clients and students and readers who have been with me for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing can replace that type of foundation. There's no quick fix to building that, that type of reputation and foundation for a business. Mm-hmm. That's so important. I think, you know, people, whether they graduate from nutrition school or any diploma or degree program, they often want that like overnight success. And I love just when you ask someone like, how did you build it all, make it happen? And they just say one day at a time. It yes. took me 28 years to do this or 44 years to do this because it truly is the person who's consistent who's showing up and planting seeds every single day that eventually, yes, may reach that tipping point or just experiences that continuous growth. It's yeah. not going to be one Facebook ad that it's not completely one explodes ad. No, your business. I see those ads and I see like the list building challenges and like, sure, you could build a list to 10,000 or 100,000, but if they don't open the emails after, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you're paying a lot of money Absolutely. for nobody. And I also see like those signature programs and everyone wants an online course, but if you don't have an audience, no one's going to buy it. Mm -hmm. And so there is like, you need the time, you need to put in the time and to, and to build that reputation. Mm -hmm. I love too, what you mentioned that you were going around to free local events and delivering workshops and you were networking and inviting people through text message and Facebook. I truly believe that in order to build that audience, there is a time in your life where you're going to need to say yes to a lot of public speaking. You're going to need to tell all your friends and family and say, this is my new business. Even though you're terrified to share with the people closest to you, oftentimes what your new passion project is or new career path, but this is where it all begins. You have to get out from behind that screen and make those in-person connections and show up even when only one person attends your cooking class. Yeah. We, you know, it's funny because we like, and I don't even think it's about saying yes. I think it's saying, please, can I Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, please let me, yeah, here's what I will do for you. Mm -hmm. But Josh, my husband, who's in nutrition and we actually met in nutrition school. He was not my teacher. There's like a rumor that he was my teacher. He was not my teacher. He sat behind me, but he jokes that his very first talk had two and a half guests. It was like two women and a baby (laughs) and it was in the health food store he was working at. Mm -hmm. And he he said, his mom has recently said, like, I was very worried about your future in this business because that was your first talk. Mm -hmm. But we all start somewhere and, and the people who make it are the ones that don't let the two and a half people discourage them. That it's like, that's two and a half people that learn something today and there's value in that. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, it always circles back to like, do you believe in what you're trying to create? And of course, from your experience going through your health issues and nutrition being a huge part of that, I can really understand now why you launched something called the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. So let's pivot a little bit and chat about this course that you've created. It is something that a lot of the students that I teach at CSNN, they end up going through. People who I didn't even realize were interested in nutrition in my network have enrolled in your academy um, without going to nutrition school or having a background in health or wellness. So first, for the listener who has never heard of the academy, uh, can you just give us a rundown of what it is and share um, how it all came to be? 
Yes. So the Academy of Culinary Nutrition officially launched in 2014. And it was, like all things in my business, a natural progression. So in 2012, I experimented with my first online course. It was called Undiet Meal Prep Made Easy. And the idea was to have a course um, of substantial value available when my first book came out because I think I make 80 cents per book that sells. And so I I experimented with that first course and I, I worked really hard on a launch strategy. And this was now four years into my business. And I sold, I think, 100 spots in the first course. And I used the funds from that to film my second and third, and then my fourth and fifth, and slowly started transforming what I was doing here in the kitchen into video-based courses. In the fall of 2013, I ran the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program for the first time online. I'd done it three times in person. And we had 100 people in seven countries, and it blew my mind because previously we could have a maximum of 12 people here in the kitchen. And so halfway through the program, they were working so hard. They were doing amazing work. I was like, they need to graduate from something. It can't just be like Megan Telpner Nutrition School. And so we, well, I guess it could have been, but I didn't want it to be. (laughs) And so we registered the business name. And by the spring of 2014, we launched the Academy and ran our first, um, I think we were actually running, we ran a program in the spring of 2014 and then the fall of 2014, but that was where the school evolved into as the home for the culinary nutrition expert program. So we had the course and we needed to build a home for it that lent it the credibility that it deserved for what people were learning and accomplishing and doing with what they were learning. Mm -hmm. And since then, as of December 2018, we've graduated over 2,000 people in 57 countries. Um, we have anywhere from three to 400 people per term. We cap it at that. I have now coaches around the world who are all honors graduates of the program that work with cohorts of students where everyone gets a very personalized experience. And the objective of the school is to teach the teachers, which is why we have so many um, nutrition alums Mm -hmm. who come to get that food component. So it's not intended to compete with any nutrition program out there, it exists because nothing else existed. It offers the food-focused curriculum and learning about health and nutrition by applying it in the kitchen. And so it takes a lot of what people learn in nutrition school and applies it. And it can also be that jumping off point for people who have no prior nutrition experience but really want to learn how to cook, whether it's for themselves or to kickstart a business. Mm -hmm. And so we're teaching the teachers not just the knowledge around culinary nutrition, but how to effectively teach and share, create their own classes and workshops and customized meal plans and therapeutic recipe creation and how to write about foods they can contribute to blogs or news, news feeds or their own websites. And we now, as of July 2018, just launched um, a certified instructor uh, component of it where successful graduates, so anyone who successfully completes the curriculum, can enroll as an instructor and they now get access to currently we have eight cooking class and workshop packages so everything they need to go and start teaching immediately so speaking notes promotional copy student handouts all the recipes the prep schedules everything that goes into teaching Uh, and what's so amazing about it is that they are now teaching the original classes that I was teaching here in my kitchen Mm -hmm. but we have over 200 instructors around the world now teaching these classes because I don't think anything can replicate an Mm in-person live cooking experience with (coughs) like-minded people. Mm -hmm. 
And so that is, that is basically the evolution. And we keep adding new courses all the time to the school that we run every couple of years. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I feel like everyone should go through this program. Same with kind of nutrition school. My thought is even if you don't practice at the end of it or you don't ever end up like teaching a cooking class, it's such good life knowledge. I just love that this program really taps into um, a need right now that people aren't spending a lot of time in their kitchen and it's so important. It's as we both so know. important. And so what we see in our students is, yes, we have a lot of nutrition related people. Um, we have a lot of yoga and physical health, but then we have tons of teachers who are bringing some of what they're learning into their classrooms. We have like some of the most random um you know, we had a pastor, we had someone who worked in a prison with women, we've had um, grandmothers, we've had high school students, we've had everybody in the program, mm-hmm. and it's, it transforms people's lives. And mm-hmm. it doesn't just transform the life of the person who takes this and acquires that knowledge and that empowerment, but you can't heal in isolation. So whether it's a friend or a loved one or a client mm-hmm. or a child in the home, everyone is positively impacted. Mm-hmm. Like no one regrets learning how to take better care of themselves. Never, exactly. It's an investment in yourself at the end of the day, which is so important. So this is such an incredible business you've built. Like it just blows my mind and I love that it, it really is global. And I want to almost just take it back for the listener who's kind of like, wow, I can't believe she's created all this. So you said you taught this program in some iteration, three times in person first. Yes. So what was happening was I was teaching classes and always teaching the very, very, very cliff side edge of my knowledge. So my first cooking class was the six things I knew how to make. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't start this because I loved, well, I did love cooking. I didn't start this because I knew how to cook. I started teaching cooking classes because we all needed to learn how to cook. So... As I was doing it, I would create more and new and different classes, which is a ton of work, which is why we now have the Certified Instructor opportunity. But what ended up happening was people were loving coming into the space and especially people who, and it's more mainstream now than it was when I started, but people who were interested in healthy eating, who are being made fun of. I don't know why people get made fun of for wanting to be healthy. I don't get why, how, where the punchline is in that, but... It can be very isolating when no one in your family or social circle cares. So we were having people coming and coming every week for classes. And they're like, can I just sign up for everything you're offering this term? And I've always created based on requests from the community when and if it resonated as something I would want to do. So I looked at you know my nine workshops, my cooking classes, and looked at how I could reorganize the order of them to have it a more sequential flow. Then I spent a summer creating assignments, which I was like, are we really making this into school? Um, But there was nowhere else to learn this. So I created these assignments and yeah, I ran it for the first time in the spring of 20, I wanna say 2010, um, or maybe it was the fall of 2010. And I had eight people do the full certification. And then, I thought maybe it was 2011, around then, but um. So I had that, and that was eventually what I filmed and made into the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program 1.0. In 2015, mm-hmm. now with having made a lot of money, I could invest in better video content. I had another book coming out, so I reorganized the curriculum, now knowing what kind of questions people asked, what information was missing from the original videos, and put together a full video program 
intended for this package, um, which I didn't know that was unusual, but apparently it's unusual because a lot of people create courses and then just keep adding more and more videos to it. Um, I wanted a complete program. So I spent hours and hours and days and days in front of my computer, in front of an Excel spreadsheet, outlining what each module would cover, what the topics were, what the recipes were that would be made to make sure that I hit all the key notes of a full and complete culinary nutrition education. And that version of the course we launched in 2015 um, in conjunction with the launch of my second cookbook. Mm -hmm. And anyone who took it from the beginning of time till now has access to the newest version that we have. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and again, I just want to like reiterate to people listening, because I know there are so many aspiring and startup entrepreneurs listening right now who they kind of want to go full steam ahead and just like create this course without having any proof of concept. And what I think really resonates uh, about your story is that you started off with, you know, one class and a few people showed up and you built that into something where they could take all six classes you were offering that year. Then you made the next iteration. And all through that, you were having people saying yes to what you were creating. And like you said, you're responding to demand, right? So it always scares me when someone is pulling themselves up right when they graduate from a program and they spend like six months, $60,000 creating something that they've never stepped out and taught a workshop on, or they've never communicated to their audience because I think the best way to build demand and to build something that people are going to eventually come to is to really just start with those small little nuggets, whether that's teaching the workshop or getting a public speaking gig. And ask your audience like are you interested in this and how would you like it delivered and what is the logical um, method for me communicating this and so again it's just it's never an overnight success like you really did the work to feel out what people needed from you and um, where you could head to impact the most people the, so the thought of someone starting a business and investing sixty thousand dollars in their first year is insane to me and it's mm -hmm. so unnecessary that you can run an incredibly successful business without taking out a loan or going into debt. And if you have to do that, you're not ready to start because mm -hmm. it becomes really scary when you start having to make decisions on your business around needing to bring in money mm -hmm. rather than creating what is needed and what is wanted. And I think that it's important to recognize too who your audience is because everyone thinks of an online course and you create it once and you're done. So I created my course, which was a ton of work. I'm still here working every single day with staff, uh, also working every single day on the various components to allow for a scaled business to still provide awesome service. So if you're one person and you invest $60,000 into an online course and you have 100 people sign up, what your actual day is going to look like is sitting on the computer for 12 hours responding to customer support and tech issues. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people consider that. They think, oh, you know, I'll do it and I'll have this website and I'll just take care of itself. Something will break every single day. And I have an amazing development team. We have a custom system. Like we've built it all um, and it's all been 100% self-funded. And so there was never a stress around it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, when I say I look back, it grew as it needed to. Um, there was never that level of stress or burden mm -hmm. from it. There's burden like, oh, I'd like a holiday where I don't check my email, but mm -hmm. that's not the reality of having your own business. Absolutely. And 
most people, if you want to do a really great online course with video, you do need to do it in person first because you need to know what questions like the humans are going to ask you that you can't anticipate mm -hmm. and how you want to deliver the information and how you want your face to look when you're not overly like focused on what you're actually doing so you can be smiling and engaging with an audience that doesn't exist. The very first course I filmed, the, the crew that was here was yawning. It was the <laughs> hardest. They like went out for lunch. They must have eaten like too much bread and they were falling asleep in the afternoon. And it was the hardest thing to continue being engaging and dynamic when people are literally like covering their mouths, yawning behind the camera. And there's no replacement for the experience you get teaching in person. I taught hundreds and hundreds of classes before I filmed anything. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I love hearing that. It's putting in the work and eventually yeah. you'll know when the time is right. And it's so. worth it though. Like it's not like, oh, this isn't worth it. It's so worth it. Cause when you love what you're doing, I still love teaching in person. It's just not conducive to my lifestyle right now. Absolutely and making the biggest impact for you. And yeah, I love like, you probably think, yeah, maybe could have built this a couple years faster, but it is important in the early days. Don't have that financial pressure, bootstrap your own business, keep your other freelancing job while you create this, get your proof of concept, really go through the roadblocks without that added stress of I've invested so much money. So I think that's very encouraging. To the best, hear. if you really want to invest your money before you start, buy some other online courses. Yeah, it's like, so Like see true. how they're running and mm -hmm. what the experience is like. Yeah, and be uh, a critic of yeah. it. What do you love? What do you not love? How could you improve upon that? Yeah. So uh, you mentioned when you were kind of mapping out the idea behind the academy, I think it's always really good to hear the systems of an entrepreneur. Is Excel your kind of go-to for planning out your ideas and getting them out of your head and onto paper or into a computer? Or what could you offer up to someone who is sitting on just so many ideas, they're really excited to create a workshop, a course, um, a seminar, how can they get that out of their head and into the universe or the computer? Right, so Excel is definitely not my strength. It's just a way to organize information in columns for me. I don't know anything about formulas. Uh, Excel spreadsheets give me anxiety. Um, but for big projects, um, before you, however you wanna develop the actual content of it, that's an individual thing. Some people want to write it out by hand or use sticky notes all over their wall or eraser board or whatever. That is like awesome, do whatever works. But what is so important is organizing the milestones and the steps to the project. And we here use Asana as a project management tool um, because it can be really, really in depth and technical. And we have a lot of people to, well, not a lot, but we have different people doing different roles and responsibilities with everything. Mm -hmm. And so that can all be assigned. Um, but there's other ones like Basecamp and Trello and some are more visual than others. That is, I feel like those tools are invaluable to mapping out a project. So if you wanna do a webinar, let's say, what are the different elements of it? You need to send out promotional emails to get people to sign up. You need to do social media posts to get people to sign up. Then what are the emails gonna be when someone does sign up? Um, what platform are you gonna use? When are you gonna set that up? When are you gonna create the content for it? Or who's gonna proofread it at what point? Are you like so you start breaking down the project into every single step. And in my opinion, there is no step that is too small mm -hmm. to outline. And then you assign due dates to each one of those steps that are non-negotiable due dates. And that is how you continue moving multiple projects through. Mm -hmm. There's only so much brain power. So if you want to write a blog and like, I want to launch a blog with like five posts ready to go. You can't write those in one day and have them be good. 
So figuring out when you do your best work. So if you do your best work in the morning, you'll write your blog post in the morning every Tuesday for five weeks, then you have five great blog posts. And so when you can use a project management tool, you can have multiple projects on the go with specific tasks for each one you have to do each day. And then you can continuously move through a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You are speaking my language. I also use Asana in my business. And I, I think it's such an important concept for people to grasp that all the goals in our head, we need to change them into just these little micro systems or little micro tasks, because at that point, nothing is impossible. You just have to get it out of the brain into whatever it's the software, or it could be a pen and paper. And then how can you make that into the most micro steps and then practice consistency, right? That's truly how things are created. So love hearing that you're using that. Um, what has been challenging about managing a team or about the growth of your business? Is there anything that uh, is maybe relevant right now that you're working through? All of it's hard. All of it. <laughs> All of it's hard. Managing a team is for sure the most challenging part because you're, you're dealing with humans and important humans. Um, and so that's an ongoing learning for me, how to lead a team effectively, how to give effective feedback and how to um, give them the autonomy to do what they're what they were hired for without me like looking over their shoulder um, so the growth is usually there's always a challenge with growth because you add another person or you delegate more tasks when you're at a breaking point which is very hard and oftentimes what people end up doing is like oh i don't have time to train someone else and so they end up just continuing to do stuff they don't need to be doing for their business um in the year uh that i was mostly off with my son everyone quit so that was one of the biggest challenges in the 11 years I've had my business in that I went into having my son feeling like we had so many great systems in place. We had a leader in place who could keep things going while I was less involved. Um, and by less involved, I would be here from 10 to two most days as opposed to nine to mm -hmm. 7 PM. Um, but what I realized in that, um, having that happen, it enabled and empowered me to now bring in the exact right people for the positions I had to restructure how work was being done, mm -hmm. to put better and more professional systems in place, operation manuals, um, all that kind of stuff. And it's just teaching me always how to run this as a as the business that it is, you know, bringing on a payroll company to manage all that kind of stuff. Like there's, there's different things that come along, along mm -hmm. the way. Um, and so in the last year, when I really had been wanting to do more growth for the company, it's really been getting back into some of the day-to-day -day in the systems, which has also allowed me to see a lot of things that were broken or messaging that was going out that I'd never seen or approved and be able to um, change that. Mm -hmm. And so w with any challenge in life, as in business, you know, there's the, you can look at it as like a kick in the whatever. Um, or look at it as an opportunity to expand. And though it was an incredible challenge, given the timing, because I also wasn't sleeping at that point with my son, um, it's helped build a stronger company mm -hmm. where I no longer have a fear of someone leaving or realizing that I now have a very clear idea if we need to add one more person, what that role would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, if 
there wasn't daily challenges, you probably wouldn't be growing your business. So it's always kind of like a good reminder that as the challenges pop up, it's just because you're evolving, you're growing, you're facing those new difficulties that come alongside up-leveling your business. So that's really cool. And so how many people do you have working here at the office? Do you work with a lot of contractors? Paint us a picture of what your team looks like today. Yes. So um, optimally, we have everyone here in Toronto, but the best people aren't always here in Toronto. Um, so I have two women who work here in Toronto with me. Uh, one is our customer support and program manager. The other is a community manager. I have an operations lead who works in Fredericton. Um, she was a graduate. They're all now graduates of the program. Um, the two that joined me in 2018 did the program in the fall, Janet and Laura. And so Asha, who's out in Fredericton, um, is our operations. And what's awesome about having her out east is that she starts work an hour before all of us and manages all of our workloads and does a lot of the tech. Uh, so those are the three full-time employees. I have a contractor, Sandy, who's out in Vancouver, um, mm -hmm. who I met. She came here for a three-month internship um, through the Institute of Holistic Nutrition. And so we've been working together since 2012. She's now the head program coach and does most of the writing on the school blog and has a hand in basically everything. Mm -hmm. uh, when we are running the program, we have anywhere from 15 to 20 program coaches. But in terms of contractors, I have a designer, videographer, a developer, well, development team. Um, I have my preferred photographer, my preferred makeup artist, mm -hmm. my preferred of anything we can and should have. I love working with contractors. I've had a designer on staff for half a year when we did a full rebrand and, and that was amazing and she's still our designer, just not full time mm -hmm. here. Um, and, and then, you know, I've worked with so many people over the years and it's great to have the really awesome ones and be able to build those relationships and, and have people who aren't in the business, but work on the business, know the brand, know the, the look and feel of everything we're creating. And with my video, with my videographer, there's barely edits now when we create mm -hmm. something like he knows what I want. And I'm always very specific right down to like the lighting and how I want the color to look. And I'm very specific mm -hmm. about things and he just gets it now. And so in that regard, a lot of things become easier over time. Mm -hmm. That's so cool that you have such a wide variety of people that you can rely on now. And it's always, um, when you kind of look at someone who's built something as big as the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, I think sometimes people think, how did they do it all alone? But it's always like, no, of course they didn't, right? It's you sought out help as needed, as you could afford it, and started bringing people into your vision too, yeah. which is it's so funny. special. It's funny because we're here and like we're <laughs> just three of us here in the kitchen, yeah. but we'll get calls from people being like, I'd like to speak to someone in accounts payable. <laughs> I'm like uh, okay, it's like hold, yeah. and then like the same person answers with a different voice. Um, there is a sort of an impression that it is sometimes that it's actually bigger than mm -hmm. it is, um, and it has been bigger than it is. But I then ended up spending so much time managing people that I didn't get to do the create the creating that I love to do. Yeah. So right now I have no desire to grow it bigger by staff standards mm -hmm. I have no desire to create like a line of food products or mm -hmm. kitchen equipment or all the other millions of ideas people are like you should do this um <laughs> in what time <laughs> yeah and they used to be like huh maybe they're right and I'm like you know nope mm -hmm. I don't want to do that mm -hmm. um and that's just come with time and and for now my priority is to spend as much time with my family as I can and so that's that's 
what I focus on. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of round out this interview, I would love to know what inspires you to be the best business owner that you can be? I love, I love, love, love what I do. And the minute I stop loving it, no one is going to want to work with me mm-hmm. and no one is going to want to register for what I'm offering or read what I'm writing or buy my books or do anything. Mm-hmm. And it, you, I think we see it in all kinds of companies that it comes from the top down. And though we run things very horizontal around here, um, it, it's it's the idea that you have to have your why so very clear and has to be bigger than like wanting to be famous on Instagram or, you know, whatever fickle reasons there could be. But, you know, my reason for doing this is to empower people to know how to best care for their health. And that's at the core of every single thing I say yes to doing and that we create. And that is what inspires me every every single day to come in and be a professional and work really hard because it's not just my job but it is my livelihood it's a livelihood of people who work here and i also have a responsibility to the people who have invested their money and their time and their energy with me over the last decade to continue Mm -hmm. fulfilling on my promise to them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So inspiring. I love that you mentioned the why too, because you're right. It has to be bigger than, you know, a superficial goal. And I think that's a great reminder for everyone listening to maybe go back, circle back. Have you thought about your why for your business in a while? Do you need to rewrite it? Do you need to think about it a little bit more before you launch your next program or product? So we'll get into the final question. This is something that I ask every single guest. So for someone listening who is yearning to start up a side hustle or a passion project or an online business, but they have no idea where to begin, what advice would you offer them based on your own experience? I think it would be to figure out what it is you really, really, really want to create and or first identify the problem that what you want to create will solve. And, you know, if your primary audience is nutritionists, everyone's like, oh, but everyone's doing the same thing. Well, then you're not thinking about it hard enough because the whole world is not healthy. So there are a lot of problems to solve. Um, How can you do it best? And how are you going to solve that problem? What will that method and medium be? To do that and if you can answer that question and then create whether it's a service or a product or a book or a blog post or however you want to start to answer that question mm-hmm. and solve that problem then the rest will take care of itself um, when I started I was definitely not the best in my field I'm still not the best in my field uh, but I have an exceptional discipline to spot problems and figure out effective ways to solve those problems and use my skills of resourcefulness to figure out how to create things. Um, And that's so important. So if you can identify the problem, the pain point, determine how you are the person to best solve it, and then develop those skills of resourcefulness and discipline, you can Mm -hmm. excel at whatever you wanna do. I totally agree. And yeah, I think as harsh as the word discipline is, I've realized that in order to continually make waves in business and to um, 
have structure outside of a corporate job. As an entrepreneur, you do need to practice a little bit of discipline. And yes, you may want to be an entrepreneur because of freedom and flexibility, but discipline is different. That's knowing what to do to get to your end goal and working backwards and knowing that it's going to take that work and consistency and discipline to yeah. get there. I mean, so. you asked me, I said what I like about running my business, I can do what I want, yep. which I can about 12 hours a day, I'm doing what I want yeah. in my business. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, I am, I do take extended holidays several mm-hmm. times a year. Um, they're still working vacations. And I always, I see people post pictures of like my office today and it's like them in a hammock or them at the beach. And I'm like, you know, what's better than being able to work from a hammock or work at the beach is to be there and not have to work. And that takes a lot of discipline the rest mm-hmm. of the time to be able to have that kind of freedom. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think there's a bit of a misconception that like you hit a button and it's just going to sell and you make money while you sleep mm-hmm. and it doesn't really work that way. Unfortunately not. <laughs> and like you said, you're getting ready to take some time away with your family and that's requiring some longer days from you. So it's kind of the reality of having just this vision bigger than ourselves and working towards these big goals. So Thank you so much, Megan. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they learn more about the Academy of Culinary Nutrition and how can they enroll? Give us the lowdown. Yeah, so I am online at Megan Telpner. Um, it's Megan with an H because I got a lot of heart. Although now I can say like like the princess or the duchess. <laughs> but uh, so I'm MeganTelpner.com and I have, um, it's sort of my become my personal website and personal blog. All of our courses are at culinarynutrition.com and at culinarynutrition on Instagram. And the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program, we run once a year. Registration opens mid-April, but we have a wait list started at culinarynutrition.com slash program. And you can also find out how to become an instructor. Uh, we have mini trainings. We have a few courses coming up before that opens. So get on both of the lists at megantelmer.com and culinarynutrition.com, and you'll be sent gifts and lots of fun stuff. Hmm, I'm going to put myself on that list because I might be a future student. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and I wish you all the best in your future adventures. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Visionary Life. Did you learn something new or are you inspired to take action on a new project? If so, please get in touch with me on Instagram at Kelsey Rydell or in our secret Facebook community. Just search Visionary Life by Kelsey Rydell on Facebook. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It helps us share the stories of visionary entrepreneurs with more and more people. If you're interested in working with me, just head to KelseyRidal.com. And if you've been thinking about joining my 90-day business coaching program, please reach out and book a free 15-minute call, and I'd love to chat with you. Have an incredible day.